This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. You're listening to a section of the LibriVox NaNoWriMo project, in which a number of LibriVox volunteers write and record a whole novel together in serial form, during November 2006. The project is based on the idea started by the National Novel Writing Month. Chapter 5 Written by Michael Sirwa, Michael.Sirwa, S-I-R-O-I-S, dot com. Recorded by Michael Sirwa. Gerhard Grayson watched the stunningly attractive woman as she walked away from the table, back to her room to pack for the trip to Cairo. Interesting, he said to the microphone hidden in his lapel pin. Miss Brown is a blonde. Her first name is Hazel, and she has blue eyes. I have brown hair, but she knows me as Mr. Gray. If someone were to put that in a book, it would be completely unbelievable. He straightened suddenly, listening to the voice in his ear, then added, Yes, sir. Uh, um, I'll make sure she does. The skinny waitress returned and flashed him a smile that made him wonder if she knew just how wretched her teeth really were. Well, you can't have everything, he thought. He smiled back and ordered a drink. He needed to be here so he could tail Miss Brown when she left for the airport in an hour. His goose would be cooked if she didn't arrive in Cairo before Trevor Ames. Hazel Brown returned to her room and set her already packed suitcase by the door. She sat on the bed and waited, knowing she had to make it appear as if she packed hurriedly in order to make the deadline. She said to herself, sotto voce, This is going so much better than I thought it would. She hoped she hadn't put Gary in too much of a bind by leaving so suddenly. He was such a sweet man. She didn't want to hurt him, but in her line of work appropriate cover was the most important element for success. She pondered the items that Mr. Gray had given her. Her ticket to Cairo, the photograph of Trevor Ames, and the sealed envelope. Trevor was a handsome man. Dark curly hair, tall, obviously athletic when he was younger. Of course, unbeknownst to Mr. Gray and Mr. Marks, she had seen her first photograph of Trevor months ago. This was long before Mr. Marks, or Grouchy Marks, as he was known in the agency, thought he had blackmailed her into working for him. THE ENVELOPE Her task was to deliver it to Trevor as if it had arrived for him in care of the Liberator's group, and then keep him occupied until she could convince him to visit the Egyptian Museum. Trevor's name was on the envelope, printed on a standard mailing label. It had a slightly smeared but official-looking postmark on it. Where was it from? Did, did that say Paddington? Hard to tell. Something long, beginning with P.A. The flap was glued down, and a large piece of tape was sealing the edge of the flap. Shouldn't be too difficult to get it open and reseal it. But there's not enough time now, she thought. Maybe on the plane. Trevor stepped off the Worldcon plane into surprisingly mild afternoon temperatures at the Cairo International Airport. He removed his tweed sports coat and draped it over his arm as he walked toward Terminal 2's baggage claim area. The four-and-a-half-hour flight from London was not as terrible as he had expected. The Worldcon airplanes were spacious, and the seats were comfortable, not at all like the short flights he sometimes had to take back and forth between England and Ireland or, or the continent. He could get used to this traveling thing. He hoped he had prepared for everything, but ran through a mental list just to be sure, mumbling aloud as he walked. Worldwide foreign travel converter kit, check. 
Laptop, of course. Bluetooth-enabled mobile phone, yes. Enough clothes for a week or so, right? Uh, toiletries, extra underwear, extra socks, uh, baseball cap. Yes, yes, yes and yes. Uh, sunglasses, yes. The list went on and on. The final item was the chinchilla, which he had brought with him even if he wasn't sure what it was yet. He thought back to the moment in the travel agency when he had asked that insipid woman, cute though she may have been, if he could bring his chinchilla with him. She actually took him seriously and began to list all sorts of rules and regulations for traveling with pets. He tried to explain to her that the chinchilla was just a mental exercise, a thought process that he would have to endure until the truth that had been niggling at him had surfaced completely. At some point in his reverie he realized he had arrived at baggage claim, and was staring at a suitcase passing by on the belt. He grabbed for it. Too late. Hurrying ahead, he caught up to it and retrieved it. Moments later his suit-bag arrived, and he recovered it as well. Looking around, he saw a sign pointing to the ground transportation. He could catch a shuttle bus to the Cairo Marriott Palace Hotel, where the other tour members were staying. He was supposed to contact someone named Hazel Brown there, and join the tour the next day. Hazel spotted Trevor as soon as he arrived at the baggage claim, but kept her sign down until passengers started leaving the area. Ah, he's coming towards me now, she thought. Look up, look up, see the sign. He walked right past her. She skirted around some of the crowd and rushed forward, planting herself directly in his path. When he was ten feet away, she held up the sign that read, Liberators, Mr. Ames, and spoke in a loud voice, looking left and right as if she didn't know what he looked like. Trevor Ames! Trevor Ames! Trevor found himself face to face with a beautiful blonde woman, and was speechless for a second, lost in the deep blue of her eyes. Finally he found his voice. Um, I'm Trevor Ames. Dropping her sign from view, Hazel reached forward to shake his hand, and felt a slight tingle at the touch. Recovering, she said, Oh, hello, Mr. Ames. I'm so pleased to see you. I'm Hazel Brown. Welcome to Cairo. Oh, he said, smiling inwardly. Aren't you supposed to be with the tour? You're the only one on the tour, she replied, batting her eyelashes unconsciously. I am. How can you afford that? Well, we're a young company, and we aim to please. Can I give you a lift to the hotel? Please, thank you. Hazel led Trevor to a black SUV waiting outside. The windows were tinted so darkly that it was impossible to see inside, and the name Liberators was stenciled on the side in a bold red, white, and blue logo resembling the Union Jack. A driver, clad in a crisp dark blue uniform, replete with visored cap, emerged from inside the automobile and helped Trevor stow his bags before letting the two of them climb into the rear passenger compartment. "'The Cairo Marriott Palace, please,' Hazel told the driver. Once they were under way, Hazel told Trevor that the actual tour would begin in the morning, but she would very much appreciate it if he would join her for dinner that evening. He readily agreed, and they discussed a few of the places they would see over the next few days, she knowing full well that he would probably be gone long before the tour was over. She almost regretted that she had to play the role assigned to her by Mr. Marks, but her superiors said it was necessary in order for her to maintain her cover. Partway through the drive, Trevor asked her about the Liberator's name. 
Does it have anything to do with LibriVox, by any chance? No. What's LibriVox? she replied, lying. LibriVox is a group of volunteers who create audiobooks out of works of literature, uh, works which are in the public domain, that is. Oh, I listen to audiobooks quite a lot when I have long distances to travel, she said, not lying this time. Where do you get them? On the Internet, he answered, gladly adding the shameless plug, available for free at LibriVox.org. Hmm, she said, stretching the sound lazily. I'll have to try them some time. Speaking of the Internet, will the hotel be able to provide me with a wireless connection? I need to check my email and some other things. Of course they can. No problem. Oh, that reminds me, I have a letter for you. It arrived care of the tour company. And she handed the freshly resealed envelope to him. Thank you. Hmm, there's no return address. I wonder who could be writing me here. He looked at the postmark. It is British. P.A. Paisley? No, that's Scotland. Oh, well. And he slipped it into his jacket pocket. Hazel needed to get him to look at the contents of the envelope, but what could she say? Oh, please, kind sir, you would look so manly opening that envelope. Please, just for me? She would just have to hope he opened it soon, although she really wanted to be there when he did. At the hotel, the check-in, having been arranged through the tour company, went quite smoothly, and Trevor soon found himself in a very nice large room, tastefully appointed in a modern design, with traditional Egyptian accents. From his window he could see a large grassy area, surrounded by shrubbery and palm-trees. Off to the left was a gigantic swimming-pool, filled with crystal-blue water. It was so inviting he regretted not bringing a bathing-suit, but he had several things to do before dinner. Getting out his laptop, he made sure he had the appropriate power-plugs attached, and logged on to the hotel's wireless network. He opened a VPN connection, and quickly checked his email. There were quite a few from LibriVox, and several from his sister Tracy. But first things first. He opened his browser, and clicked on the bookmark for LibriVox. Entering the forum, he saw the mystery was still listed among the new projects. Opening the forum thread, he noticed that several people were asking what this was all about, and also saw that a new sound file had been posted. He started at downloading, and noticed the file was arriving quite rapidly. He checked his connection. Fifty-four megabits per second. Signal strength excellent. Not bad at all. Better than I have at home. Soon he was listening to the file. The LibriVox disclaimer titled the piece as before, The Mystery, Inspired by the Exploits of T.M., but this time added, Part Two, Peregrinations. The same accented male voice continued with the story which had so moved Trevor the day before. Yesterday? Day before yesterday? Surely it was longer than that. Nearly eight minutes into the reading, the speaker came to the point of the piece, and it reminded him of the name of the tour he was on, the Papyrus Peregrinations Tour. The lost papyrus of the Knights of Malta, the reader said in conclusion, is probably a misnomer, since it was almost certainly written on paper instead. The document has, however, undoubtedly been lost to the sands of time. Only one quote 
passed down from generation to generation through the network of the Maltese knights has survived. Only with a free voice will the injustices of the Treaty of Paris be remedied. Trevor's head was spinning. Free voice. LibriVox. There's that connection again. The, the chinchilla's back on the job. I can't stay here. I have to follow this up. Treaty of Paris? Do I need to go to Paris? He opened Google and did a few quick searches, finding out that the 1814 Treaty of Paris ceded Malta to the British Empire. Apparently somebody resented that. At supper, Hazel, in a lovely blue dress that set off her eyes to devastating effect, began by telling Trevor how supper isn't the biggest meal of the day in Egypt, that lunch is, and that many businesses close around 2 p.m., so when people go home to eat lunch they're going home for the day. Trevor interrupted her to tell her that, though he hated to, he would have to cancel the tour. He needed to leave in the morning. "'Where are you going?' she asked, almost mournfully. "'To Malta, I think. Uh, no. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, I'm sure. Uh, to Malta.' Hazel thought about it. She could try to keep him here, or she could follow the envelope. If he had opened it and read it, he wouldn't be leaving so soon. She didn't have time to call anyone else. She had to make this decision on her own. Looking Trevor straight in the eyes, she reached across the table and placed her hand on his. "'Take me with you,' she urged. Trevor's face became a kaleidoscope of emotions, happy, then puzzled, followed by eighteen others. Finally he said, "'Um, okay. Why?' End of chapter 5 Recorded on November 6, 2006 in Houston, Texas.